Here's the scenario. You've been injured in a serious accident. The doctor says your recovery could take months, maybe even years, yet your insurance company is denying your claim every step of the way. If something like this happens to you, call me, Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Personal Injury Law. We have offices in Toronto, London, Peterborough, and now Kitchener-Waterloo. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Man, that's a tough one. Although there was very encouraging play during, obviously. But the Raptors, they lose 99-95 to versus the now 31-9 and Phoenix Suns. I believe that will put them at the very top of the NBA. And this is different than a few of the games that the Raptors have played in this winning streak. Is that the Suns were fully healthy. They're wielding their full roster. Bridges, Booker, Crowder, CP3, Ayton. You know, campaign, McGee, Shamit, you know, the far the more names you list, the less impressive they get. But they played a you know, they played a part regardless. And the Raptors really attempted to grind this one out on the back of really phenomenal defense. And on the other side of the things, you know, Phoenix really came out, especially in the second half, immense ball pressure. And they were able to affect the Raptors a lot on the Raptors offense. And that's going to happen when you play some of the best teams in the league. But the Raptors, I, you know, it's incredible that they were this close at the end of the game. They took 37 threes. They only made eight for the folks counting at home. That's 22%. That is abysmal. Actually, that's less than 22%. That's 21.7%. You do not win a lot of games when you shoot that volume on that percentage. But the Raptors, for their incredible hustle, and clinical nature of a lot of their rotations defensively to keep the Suns at bay, A. And B, Chris Boucher had nine, nine offensive rebounds, okay? Nine in 37 minutes. Justin Champagny had five in 10 minutes. These guys were giving the Raptors oodles of extra offensive possessions. That's how they stayed in it. And naturally, it helps that guys like Fred and OG, who were the only two players, by the way, who hit threes tonight, Fred 4 of 10, OG of 4 of 13. It was nice that some of those offensive those extra offensive possessions led to relocation threes, but it still, it couldn't cut it because the, the Suns hit their shots down the stretch, a couple of them. Crowder hit a three, Booker hit a three, Booker hit a mid-range jumper. And when the game gets so close down towards the end there, and then obviously they made their free throws. And Devin Booker, there's one fan in the building that is the Raptor. Well, there's more than one person in the building, right? And every there's like family fans and stuff like that. But basically there's like one guy behind the basket. And that was the Raptor. And I don't know, he did something during Devin Booker's free throws late. And Devin Booker got him kicked to the sideline. Cop behavior, Devin. And considering that uh, CP3 also is... I don't know, perpetually uh, performing cop behavior. The Raptors lost to the cops, man. And the Suns, I mean, you know, they did what everybody suggests teams should do. The analytical approach to the end of games, they fouled when they were up three and they sent the Raptors to the line and they played the free throw game and they won it. That's, you know, they they weren't going to mess around with the idea of Fred Van Vliet hitting a moonshot to tie the game. 
Fred, I believe, has the most clutch field goals made in the NBA, and I think he shoots 55% on clutch field goal attempts. So, honestly, you know, <laughs> that's pretty clever basketball, and I, I do think they made the right thing. It was horrible to watch, though. It was not fun at all. And, yeah, the, the Raptors, obviously, as I said, shooting poorly from three, they weren't getting anything, and I mean anything, outside of Fred and OG. So they grinded their way to buckets tonight. I mean, in the first half, the game was very aesthetically pleasing for the Raptors. And then the Suns really turned up the ball pressure. It affected basically every pick and roll action that the Raptors were running. And especially Fred Van Vliet. Like, Fred was not able to get into very many meaningfully dangerous positions as an offensive player for the second half of the game. Now, he did score a little bit. And he did pass a little bit, but his presence offensively was significantly muted because of the ball pressure of the Suns. And Pascal Siakam, you know, and OG Ananobi, I think, did a very, very good job in some ways of alleviating that pressure. But that obviously was not something that they did until closing time because whether it was, you know, Pascal, OG, or Fred, the Raptors had a lot of trouble scoring against the Sunset defense. And that's the thing. These Suns have a claim to the best team in the league. They won 18 games in a row already this year. They're 31-9 and nine now. That That is the best record in the league. They're coming off of a, a season where they were in the NBA Finals. They went to six against the Bucs. And that's impressive. This is an impressive squad. And they made the adjustment to completely disrupt the Raptors' offense by just pressuring the hell out of them. And as far as over the full game, who responded the best to that as a creator? Pascal Siakam, without a doubt. His playmaking, you know, he put guys in a lot of great positions to score. Not all of them were converted on. Fred and OG did a pretty good job of sliding into those spacer roles. And then, especially OG, attacking closeouts or broken possessions, trying to get downhill get to the line and stuff like that. He, he only got to the line two times, same with Pascal. But well, I, OG also went to the line at the end of the game. So he only really had craft that earned him a trip to the line two times. But OG, I thought, was a pretty good release valve in this game. And Pascal, the playmaking, the, the scoring, and defensively was certainly the Raptors' best player tonight. And But like OG is right there in this game. Same with Fred. The defense as a unit, was really, really impressive. And you could see it's like you just got to close out those possessions, man. That's where it hurts. Is So late in the game where the Raptors, I believe, were up one and Devin Booker hits that mid-range jumper. He's coming to the ball. The guy baseline out of bounds hits him, you know, a really great screen from DeAndre Ayton. And there you go. Like Bob's your uncle. He hits a midi. But prior to that, the Raptors forced a miss after – you know, cycling through, I think, six rotations as the Suns were pinging the ball around the floor. And then Booker got that offensive rebound, chased it down because the Raptors, because of their team, they have to, A, rotate like hell, big guys, small guys, out to the perimeter, you got to cover. And then B, they have to get back in time to gang rebound. And sometimes that puts them in a position where they're all at the bucket and a long rebound can go long. Just everything can be out of sorts. They have to organize themselves again. And they did. Chris Boucher came back into the play and blocked Chris Paul from behind. The ball went out of bounds, but that baseline out of bounds play, that's when Booker made that shot. And it was everything that's great about the Raptors defense and everything that's been bad about the Raptors defense wrapped in like, I don't know, 
44 seconds of runtime of the clock. And yeah, the Raptors' ability to cycle, to X out, to cover ground, to stymie drives, all really, really impressive there. But at the end of the day, and the Suns know this better than you know most teams will after the Raptors had, I, how many offensive rebounds did they have tonight? Like well over 20, which is, they set the the, the season record, by the way. And you got to close these possessions, man. And the Suns, I'm sure, are kicking themselves too, especially since they have a guy like DeAndre Ayton, that big boy in the paint who's supposed to close out these possessions, right? Who only finished with nine rebounds for what it's worth. They have one of those guys and only six defensive rebounds. They are probably saying to themselves, we got to close possessions. And that's exactly where the Raptors are out are at as well. And with all that said, I mean, like the Raptors, even with allowing those extra possessions down at the end of the game, in this game against these Suns, that was a winning strategy. If they just shot a little bit better from three, this is a cakewalk. Perhaps even if Pascal Siakam doesn't get two really, really tough calls, they don't have to play without him, which they felt, by the way, like felt hard. They won their minutes when he was on the floor. As I talked about earlier, he was absolutely essential to the Raptors offense because of the way the ball pressure was affecting Fred. He had to be there as a release valve and the guy who could create when the when the Suns were able to like double him in the middle of the court, make good passes out, all that kind of stuff. He got fouled by Jalen Smith. And the result of that was him flailing his hand and it hit Jalen Smith in the head. The foul precedes the arm flail. And the ref to his right made that call. Pascal went on to hit an end one. And the pass and the ref to his left overruled the call. Okay, that is potentially like a three-point swing. And it gave Pascal his fourth foul. Then Pascal, it looked like blocked the three-point shot on Landry Shamit. Looked like he got ball first beforehand because he got the ball. And it's pretty tough when a guy's shooting it to get hand before ball because it's a projectile. The ball is moving away. If you're getting the hand first, it's really tough to actually get the ball because it's a projectile. It's moving anyway. But yeah, and then he got three free throws out of that. That's like a six-point swing, and you can go and relitigate so many fouls during a game. And I, I typically, you know, anybody who listens to this podcast regularly knows I hate ref talk, and I don't mean to be like, oh, it's a conspiracy, blah, blah, blah. Definitely not that. It's just those were two really tough calls and it wasn't even just the swing of points that they allowed but the fact that they took pascal out of the game in a very important stretch like fred finished at almost 44 minutes in this game pascal finished at 39 the raptors would have had pascal play 43 44 in this game if they could have and that could have been a win that that's why that was tough those two calls like back to back really, really tough to see. And that, that was disappointing because Pascal was so essential to what the Raptors were doing. But man, and, and the Suns deserve a ton of credit for being able to take it to the Raptors with their defense. I mean, whether it was like Bridges, Chris Paul, even Booker, like Booker had three or four really strong defensive possessions on OG Ananobi, forcing him into trouble, into turnovers and stuff like that. But yeah, the Raptors, they ran into the problem of not enough offense. There's no complaints about their defense in this game. Sure, you want to finish off those defensive possessions down the stretch, but the Raptors were getting enough from Fred, Pascal, and OG that this game should have been wrapped and performing well enough defensively that this game should have been wrapped up by five minutes left in the fourth quarter. That's really where it should have been. But 
Cam Birch, a really nice defensive game and deserves credit for it, obviously. But the six points, considering how many feeds he got down low, really tough to stomach. Utah getting 15 minutes, having, you know, one turnover, zero points, 0 for 4 from the field, including, like, missing a layup. And, you know, and, like, his two threes, good looks. And he's in the starting lineup. That's tough. Precious, no no qualms with Precious's game, really. Like, he's in a tough position. The Man, the Suns passed the hell out of the ball. Precious can be a little bit misplaced on defense at times. But it's like, again, it's the offense. He's, he goes three for seven as a big. He took two threes, and it was an awkward fit for him in this game because of, you know, it's not Fred. It's not OG. It's Pascal, and they're really crowding him. They're crowding the paint as well. So, you know, Precious is going to be forced to put something up in there. He's going to be crowded. And, yeah, Precious is not good in the paint when crowded typically, although he did have one really nice drive. And then Justin Champagny, you know, if he wasn't able to give you – by the way, like, he he had five offensive rebounds, and, you know, my goodness, he, he, he also forced an extra possession for the Raptors by um, – or actually two extra possessions, sorry – by hitting the ball or forcing out of bounds on the Phoenix Suns. So like seven extra possessions granted in 10 minutes of playtime and a tip that he just skied to the moon for. That's pretty impressive. Like, you know, you wish he finished more plays. You wish he scored more than two, but he did his due diligence and he gave the Raptors seven extra possessions where one of OG, Fred, or Pascal, or even Chris could have been the finishers on and so he was well he was worth his weight in gold he really helped the Raptors out and you know Boucher also benefited from him too because Champagny was skirting his box out and playing volleyball and keeping the ball alive Boucher was getting on the other side of that stuff and Boucher as far as a guy coming off the bench three blocks 13 points 16 boards didn't hit any threes but who cares this was a sterling performance if you want to know more about how Chris Boucher is really get has really gotten back into form despite getting very little in the pick and roll. Like last year, he was one of the best pick and roll rim runners in the whole of the NBA. Percentile based, points per game based, whatever, right? He he was phenomenal. This year, he's been one of the worst. And it's just the pick and roll isn't part of his game right now. Neither is the three-point shot. If you want to see how he's been succeeding, you know, in spite of that stuff, RaptorsRepublic.com. I had a big piece come out on it today, so you can go read that. He was awesome tonight. And, you know, especially defensively, too, the three blocks are some of the three-point contests, a little bit overzealous, especially on a guy like Jay Crowder, who you know is going to sidestep for three. Maybe. But here's the thing, man. That's all part of the package, and he was definitely a plus defensively in this game. And nine extra possessions, nine of them, and 13 points off the bench in a game where the Raptors only scored 95. He was incredible tonight Svi you know Svi was in the first half when the the Suns weren't playing the same type of ball pressure defense so he was a, he had a positive plus minus in this game but he was just coasting off of playing with like Pascal or Fred or OG when they're you know getting their way in this one and Svi overall pretty poor performance you know I talked about this last <laughs> I talked about this last podcast and it's like man this guy you know we're he puts himself in good positions with his athleticism. He gets access to different types of play types and plays than other guards on the team do, but he just cannot convert. 
either through like just performance, like not hitting shots or decision making gaffes. Really tough to see. And Utah, I mean, Utah is coming back into the game. He's trying to get a feel for things after being out. But this this was really poor performance. It's it's too bad to see that, especially since he was in the game. He's in the starting lineup next to a bunch of other good players. So tough to see. But man, the grit in this game from both teams and the Suns, they played a really solid defensive game. And they definitely, it worked for them down the stretch. And the Raptors, they didn't have a good enough counter to it. But this is one of the best defenses in the league. You know, they're ranked number two. And the Raptors, for a while, were able to outskirt them. And obviously, yeah, their response wasn't good enough. And that's tough. But this is the second best defense in the league. Battle-tested, especially in the context of, like, close games. They're just in the finals last year. They know how to lock down. And, yeah, they've done it to LeBron James. They did it to, you know, Paul George. They can do it to Fred and Pascal. And it's too bad that they didn't, like, break through and and win this game, especially without Gary Trent Jr., especially without Scotty Barnes. But, man, it's, uh, like, if you think somebody would have been valuable in a game like tonight, Gary Trent Jr., man, that shooting would have been very, very important. But, you know, them's the breaks. Just the same way that the Raptors, during their six-game win streak, played a lot of teams with a lot of guys missing. This is the other side of the coin. And even on the other side of the coin, they look damn good and they nearly beat what could be, you know, the best team in the NBA. Surely, you know, Golden State has a better net rating, but net rating isn't everything. And Phoenix is adaptable. They're tough and they work hard and they had shot makers down the end, like the end of the game, including Chris Paul, who hit like a four bouncer. You know what I mean? Like it almost touched the top, top of the backboard before dropping back to the rim and then settling in. It's just... Sometimes shots go in, sometimes they don't. But the Raptors, they lost this one, and, you know, it's it's too bad. Something I did like, though, was at the end, of the, like, towards the end of the game, the way they did get a bucket was Ken Birch was going to set a screen. Pascal called him off, and Pascal said, I'm the screener in this play. I'm screening for Fred. Slipped the action. Fred found him over top. Pascal got down into the lane. Euro stepped past Aiton and, and made the bucket. That was awesome to see because... Siakam is not typically a guy who's screening at the end of games, but increasingly has been. And yes, it was nice to see him do it against Embiid. Yes, it was nice to see him do it against Utah. Yes, it was nice to see him do it against like all these, a slew of teams, but against one of the best defensive teams in the league with their full, you know, run of players. It was nice to see the Raptors go to a two-man action with their two best guys down the stretch and get a bucket. Would have liked more, but... That's that just wasn't in the cards. The Raptors, if anything, is to be taken away from this stretch from, you know, how they've been since they've kind of stabilized this year is that their core, their starters are for real. And this is something that made, you know, that Tampa season kind of unbelievable, right? It was like Kyle Lowry is good. OG is good. Pascal's good. Fred is good. Those guys are so good at basketball. And yet they're losing. And that was the thing. It's like that team found every way to lose under the sun. And during that six-game win streak, the Raptors found like interesting ways to win. They're winners. And it's clear as day, you know, by net rating, by whatever, especially like Gary Trent Jr., Pascal Siakam, and Fred Van Vliet, you know, it's really easy to tell their net rating. You look and you're like, oh, wow, they win minutes when these guys are on the floor. And, you know, OG has been to a little bit of a lesser degree, but of course, net rating isn't everything. But 
you can you can lean that way. You can lean towards the wins. You can lean towards your eye test. Whatever the Raptors' core, you know, run of players, they pass the test. These guys compete. These guys can play against the better teams in the league. Are they going to win a high percentage of them? Maybe not as much as you like, but they certainly have the capacity to steal some games, and they certainly have the ability to beat the lower-ranked opponents as well. This is a team that should maintain their record over 500 for the rest of the season. They looked good tonight, and they damn near pulled it off. It was hell of a game, man. I'm uh, I'm not too upset about it. Would have liked some shots to go down late in the game. Was pretty, pretty disappointed with, you know, the the foul calls on Siakam. I thought those really swung things, especially, you know, in a game where the winning team only scores 99. But them's the breaks. Reggie Evans Award, it's Chris Boucher, obviously. Just effervescent. You felt it on the court. Everybody on the court felt it. And he was a, he was a dominant uh, player as far as grabbing boards. Like Dennis, Rodman, Dennis Rodman incarnate, right? So, yeah. Hell yeah for him, Chris. You're, you know, keep playing well. Uh, top quick reaction comment from Red Van Vliet. Quote, look, the refs were terrible and we were shorthanded, but a few things. One, Pascal has been amazing, but his fouling is an issue, and I'm not sure how to address it. Two, Fred and the team cannot defer to Pascal on the clutch. I don't care what his ISO stats are. We have seen enough of this. It is maddening at this point. The law of averages should have kicked in. It makes me want to scream. Let's give OG a shot at these game-winning slash losing ISOs. Shame because he played great other than these two things. Three, Boucher is back and deserves a lot of praise. Four, Champagny should play before Svi and Utah, end quote. Um, Number one is directly tied into your refs were terrible comment. And then secondly, this Raptors team as a whole has a fouling problem because they gamble, A, because they require incredible amounts of rotation and miles traveled every game from their players. And when you ask Pascal to be somebody who steps out on players at the wing, above the break, and then you ask him to be somebody who helps at the rim as a contester and a rebounder, this means he's going to be in motion all the time and not stationary. And this means that when you're in motion, you're a lot more likely to be called for a foul, especially defensively. So, yeah. Pascal, I do not have a problem with the fouling issue. It's, you know, especially in this game, those two really tough calls. Like, But also, you're not fixing this. The Raptors are in motion all the time defensively, and they have to have somebody come and rim contest. They need somebody to be near the bucket, and they've been asking Pascal to defend everywhere on the court and then help close possessions and contest at the rim. He's going to foul. Um, if Boucher or Precious or Kem played the minutes that Pascal does or covered the ground that Pascal does, then if any, if any, you know, defender did that, you would see similar things. I mean, hell, if you you can go look at Demonis Sabonis, who was like a miles traveled leader last year, played the same role defensively as Pascal last year under Nate Bjorkren. He averaged 3.3 fouls per game, the same that Pascal is averaging this year. You will not get away from this problem uh, until there's like a more normal situation at center, until one of Precious, Kem, or uh, Boucher, and Boucher did in this game, emerges as a more stable presence at that position. They're going to ask a lot of Pascal, and Pascal is going to do his best to cover for that situation. But he's in a position where he is fouling all the time. But in this game, like he's on the wrong side of a couple whistles. That was really, really too bad. But as far as in the clutch, um, I guess basically, you know, it's different than what you said here because you say they're deferring to Pascal. 
And that's flatly false. They do not defer to Pascal. I think Pascal was one of three in the last four minutes, and they ran one primary action for him. That's something I count while I watch the game. Um, they they ran that flat that pick and roll with Cam Birch with like I think 50 seconds left in the game, and the Suns flattened it out. Pascal had Aiton in isolation and missed that mid-range jumper. But as far as what they were running mostly down the stretch was actions for Fred Van Vliet that the Suns were doing a really good job of moving to second and third looks for the offense. And then so if you look at the possession he gets, you know, around four minutes, he's getting, you know, a post up with six seconds left on the clock. Is that a deferral if the Raptors have already used, you know, three quarters of the shot clock trying to get shots for other guys, mostly Fred Van Vliet? Is that a deferral to Pascal Siakam? Was the screen where Pascal pushed Kem Birch away and he wanted to screen for Fred and then Pascal ended up scoring in the clutch, was that a deferral or was that, you know, a screening action between the Raptors' two best players? When Pascal created the layup opportunity for Kem Birch after they, you know, the Suns blew up a dribble handoff for Fred Van Vliet and they filtered into a post-up for Pascal because he happened to be on the strong side uh, where Kem Birch had it and Kem Birch is not going to be able to dribble to the other side of the court for anybody else against the Suns defense. And he gets the ball with like 10 seconds left on the clock, draws a double and passes to Kem Birch for a layup opportunity that I think Kem got fouled on and obviously didn't make it. Is that a deferral? I don't think these things are deferrals. I think that the Raptors overwhelmingly, and including from Pascal, ran screening actions or handoff actions for Fred Van Vliet, and mostly everybody was there to uh, support those actions any way they could. I think that the clutch offense was overwhelmingly run for Fred Van Vliet. Now, if you'd rather OG be the break break in case of emergency guy who you want him to have the ball with six seconds left on the clock, Maybe, but that is a completely different thing than just outright saying that Fred and the team defer to Pascal. That is not true, dude. That is such, that is so negative when you look at this game. I mean, dude, come on. Like they're running actions for Fred. They want to get Fred downhill. They want to get Fred a jump shot opportunity. They want to get all that stuff going. And like, it was awesome that OG, which again, you know, Pascal gets the ball. Hands off to OG. OG hands off to Fred. That's their game-winning play, by the way. Like, when OG ended up getting the layup on the broken play because they blew up Fred's screening action, and OG, not Pascal, happened to be the guy, the guy closest to him, Fred passed to OG. So OG was the release valve of that action. And, well, as Fred chose it, right? And that was with, like, 14 seconds left. That was not Pascal winning or losing isos. That was an isolation, actually, in a broken play for OG, and he scored. But, yeah, I like, if you say, hey, I want OG as, like, break glass in case of emergency guy, I think his shot making might have a little bit more pop at the end of games than Pascal's. Dude, sure. But to say that this team is deferring to Pascal is so negative towards Pascal and just false, dude. That is not fair. I Why spin it this way? Why spin it this way? He got one primary action. 
In four minutes, they were, they ran one screen and roll for him. Otherwise, he was being positioned to support Fred Van Vliet if the Suns were able to move them off of their primary action. And the primary action is what they want. You don't, like, you have secondary actions just in case, but the primary action is what any offense wants. And they were running that for Fred. And he couldn't score. He couldn't create advantages. So, yes, it ended up going to Pascal. But that is not a deferral. That is a necessity, dude. And I wish he was better. Like, I wish I wish it had gone better in the necessity. Like, you know, he created one great look for Kim. And then he had, uh, you know, he had, he had a layup that was a really, really great move off of when he slipped the screen off of Van Vliet. And, but otherwise, you know, he, he had that post up where he missed on Aiton. He got the ball with like six seconds left on the clock. I wish he had made that. Of course, I wish he was better, you know, just straight up scoring on dudes, you know, late in the game. And then he got one screen and roll that they flattened and he missed. But, you know, deferral is, you know, a weird slant. Like the whole team bows before Pascal and then, you know, they they look on begrudgingly as he fails them after they've deferred to him and his his mighty... You know, he owns this team. He gets the ball come hell or high water. Like, come on, dude. Fred is getting the all-star push. Fred is getting the attention. Fred is getting the primary actions. Like, just because Pascal was a great, great secondary option in this game and was, like, fantastic playmaking, especially from the interior, and just because he touches a ball on a possession doesn't mean that he's being deferred to. They ran one primary action, you know? One primary action. In four minutes of, you know, possessions. I, yeah, I I disagree with that heavily. Now, if, you know, if you're trying to extrapolate from other games, I haven't, you know, I haven't watched the other games recently. So I couldn't, you know, categorically deny what's happening. But I also, I think that they run actions for Fred a lot of the time. That's what they, that's what they like to do. Does Pascal get possessions? Absolutely he does. But, you know, this picture you paint, uh, I disagree with it. And I think it's quite clearly slanted one way. But anyway, it, it makes you want to scream, I guess. So anyway, but yeah, you're, you're completely right. Boucher is back, deserves a lot of praise. I wrote a piece about that today. He's been awesome. Uh, Champagny should play before Svi and Yuta. I mean, if he plays as good as he did today and Svi and Yuta, neither of them can hit shots, then Champagny... Is it, who is a guy who's not known for hitting shots, if he can give extra possessions where those other guys can't, then yeah, absolutely. He, he was much, much better tonight. I was really happy he got run in the second half, and he really helped the Raptors survive that stretch without Pascal. So yeah, thanks for writing in. Uh, listener, thanks for tuning in, whether you got into it in the morning or at night. Have a blessed day, and goodbye.